One thing you all probably don't know is normally on the back screen is a clock that tells me how much more time I have to preach. What's, I was going to say, you know what that means? Is you bring in the handy stopwatch to make sure you don't go for that. But with the, the confident crowd I have behind me, uh, and I'm sure there, they got to preach a little longer today because next week we've got food. If you ever have a food in between services, if you will tell me before, that sermon gets cut by five minutes. Just, just so you know on that. Uh, so, all right, we're going to come out of Isaiah chapter 61, starting off with verses 1 through 4. And then we're going to jump over to John. Uh, we're going to jump over to John. It's in your bulletin, uh, what we got going there in John chapter 1 there, too. Uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and verses 19 to 28. Uh, so we're on this theme, and part of us hope, but the other one is that company's coming. And that's what you've been reading here from the, the readings on the candles. Company's coming. The first week we looked at, at, at the mess, the mess that we are in. And a lot of times when we look outward, we see the mess. We see the mess of the world, the mess of how it seems like everything's going south. Sometimes we need to look inward. Are we part of it? Uh, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, says, and I, and I feel this is where our country is at today, uh, where our country is at today. John Wesley, the, the founder of Methodism, uh, and I preached this a couple times. I've been there, been in the newsletter a couple times. What is the greatest sin? The greatest sin that you could commit? Anybody? Besides not loving Jesus or forgiving your life to Jesus. Anybody real quick? The sin of silence. Not sharing your faith, not standing up for injustice, and all these other things. That's the he John Wesley that's the greatest sin that we commit as a society, is the sin of silence. Uh, and I think we have, the church has probably committed that sin quite a bit. Uh, the next, next last week was the work of cleanup. Uh, cleanup, okay, we realize we're in a mess. Uh, how do we fix that mess? And uh, inward, to get the word of God, be in prayer. Uh, uh, repent and believe would be the whole thing there. This week, we're getting down to it, is uh, we know company's coming. The company that's coming is Jesus. We're in the Advent season. Company's coming Jesus. Well, okay, we've done the cleanup. We realized the mess. We cleaned up the mess and started to decorate. And that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit there. So let us read into the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1, uh, chapter, verses 1 through 4, and then verses 8 through 11. There we go. The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to counsel those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and oil for the joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of, heaven, of heaviness. And they may be called trees of righteousness. They plant the planting of the Lord that has been may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall rise up of the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Verse 11. Jump to verse 11 real quick. 
Let's do a little sorrow. Ten there. Uh, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As, bright, as, as the bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as the bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes things that are, that are sown in the spring forth, that they spring forth. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. Isaiah is a very long book. It's much like Genesis. It covers a big span of time. And there's three themes, three main themes that kind of run through uh, uh, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. Uh, number one is prosperity. There's, there's a time in the Israeli life when they're prosperous and, and things are going well. And when things are going well, you would think, well, well that's great. But there's also, during the times of things going well, there's a, a prophet Isaiah comes and he warns them. Yes, you're, you're living in the good times right now, but are you living in a way that brings honor and glory to God? He shouts this warning to them constantly, constantly, that, hey, yeah, God has blessed us and gave us many things to be blessed and to be praised for. But yet, it seems, not only in Isaiah's day, but not only in Jesus' day, but in the day today, when life is good, when money is good, relationships are good, family's good, doesn't it seem like sometimes the, the, the waiting and the praying that God falls down, maybe? You know, everything's going good. Do you know, I really need to go to church? Do I really need to pray? Uh, and, and so there's this warning to the people. Yeah, life is good. Praise God. And, and give to God. Be generous to God. Recognize God when life is good. Because if not, the second thing happens. Uh, the people will find themselves being uh, punished by God. And they get put off in exile to where they are now. Uh, they're looking at the people that lost it all. They didn't honor God in the day they should have. And God brought judgment upon them. Uh, they, they're down, they're desperate, they're hungry, and they've lost all hope. Uh, they're living in somebody else's land. Their city has been ruined, flattened. Uh, and they've been pulled into exile. They're living in Babylon, and, and they're living in different places of the world. They've been in, in, in exile. And in the midst of this, the third thing you get from Isaiah, and, and many other prophets is, even in troubled times, even in times that God caused the trouble, allowed the trouble to happen, God remains with them. They are still the chosen people. God is there. He is still there with them. He hasn't forgotten them. And so in times of desperation, and I think this is where we need to hear it today, in this time of desperation, you know what? Good times are still ahead. I am the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's God speaking, not Larry. Uh, I am the King of the Lord of Lords. I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten your affliction. I will bring you through this time. And when we get to the other end, I'm going to restore you more than you lost at the beginning. But so life is about this attitude. Life is about this attitude of living. And the good times and the bad. I always kind of say, and this seems a lot like here, in the ministry, we, we, we deal with a lot of people's sorrow and suffering. 
a lot more than maybe a lot of other people do. And life, you know, seems filled uh, a lot of times of sorrow and suffering and bad things, death and sickness and, and problems, financial problems, marriage problems, problems with kids, relationship problems, job problems. You just name them, this goes along. But it seems like there's good sections of time, too. And so in the midst of the bad, we always got to remember the good, that God is with us no matter what is going on. And no matter what is going on, and this God loves us regardless, regardless of the worldly events going on around us. Remember this one thing that God loves you. He loved you so much that he gave his son to die for the sins of the world. And there's a, there's a hope. There's a hope coming. Christ has not left us orphaned. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit to live inside his power of the Holy Spirit. But he himself has gone away to prepare a place for you and me. For the loved ones, the, the, the two people that I know this week that have passed or done a funeral, they were they were they were they were good Christian women. And I know without a doubt, the word of God says, the word of God says absent from the body. Anybody? Maybe, come on, we're in the house of the Lord. Absent from the body? Present with God, or you're present with the Lord. Then that's our hope. That is the good news of the gospel. That when this life is done, I don't die. My body continues to uh, stops breathing and my heart stops beating. But my life continues on, but not in this world, but in the world to come. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he defeated death. He defeated death. And so we no longer are we ever out of the presence of God. We're no longer out of the presence of God in our whole life. In this life and the life to come, we're in the presence of God. And so in John, the book of John, the second part of our scripture, John chapter 1, starting at verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, and that all through him I believe. He was not the light, but he was the one sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Let's jump down to verse 19. Now, this is the testimony of John when he saw when the Jews sent priests to the Levites and Jesus to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Then they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? John answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness to make the straight way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. But those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize? If you are not the Christ, or, or Elijah, nor a prophet, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but they, there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who is coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in the Beth Barnabas, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptized. And so that's the story of John. He had this attitude. John's mission was, was to shine the light, to shine the light on the coming one. On the shine the light on the coming one. He had this attitude about it. He had this attitude about shining the light in the, that time. What is your attitude? 
I like how that starts off. There was a man, his name was John. Let's jump forward 2,000 and some years. There's a man and there's a woman, or a woman. His or her name is. Put your name in that spot. God has sent you here today. He has sent you to be the light into the world. To be the one that points to the light of the one coming to Jesus Christ. You and I in this church is not the light. The light is Jesus Christ, but we hold the light. We hold the light to point to the one that's coming. We hold hope in our hands. We hold faith in our hands. We hold love in our hands. And through the power that Jesus died on the cross, we also are the ones that can talk to people about forgiveness. We, the church, the body of Christ, not the Methodist, not the Baptist, but the Christian community comes together as the light to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. He come once and he's coming again. That is our whole mission. I always say we're much like John. We're not John. We're not Elijah. We're not a prophet. Uh, there is no more prophecy. All the prophecies are here. And we can debate on that one later. Uh, all the things are just coming true that God has already told us. But we are the one that confess. And we should live in such a way like John. John's not the only one that's doing this. If you study history in the first century history, John's not the only one. A lot of people were saying they were the Messiah or they were the leader of the Messiah. When he spoke those verses of, no, I'm going to cry in the wilderness, those Pharisees instantly knew about the prophet Isaiah. It instantly knew what he was talking about. But many people had done that. Many people in that time, they kept talking about the coming of the Messiah, coming of the Messiah. Like right now, if you get on YouTube or do a lot of reading in the prophecy world, a lot of people for the last, since about year 2000, have been talking about the coming of Jesus, the return of the rapture, the rapture of the church. And everybody's been talking about it. There's some people that are just sitting still, doing nothing. Well, maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's tomorrow. We see that in the book of Acts, too. At the very beginning of the book of Acts, they kind of did. But finally, Jesus had to say, no, you can just go out. I need to cause trouble here so you go out to the world and spread the gospel. But so we've got to come along. We've got to come along. We need to be like John with this attitude in this dark world that we live in. We need to live in, in such a way that the people say, well, who is that? Who is that? My goal for the church, I got this goal kind of for a Lake Park United Methodist Church. And when people come to Lake Park, they'll say, well, who's that church? What are they doing? Why are they different than every other church? Because we believe that the Bible is the inherent word of God. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God has come and he is with us while we worship. And he has made us servants to the light. And so as long as we keep that attitude, we keep that focus, then everything I do, I do for the glory of God. Everything I do, whether it's in the church or whether it's in the community, I do shine light upon the one who is coming. And so we need to understand our position there. In 1 Peter, uh, Peter is talking here, 1 Peter. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Be ready to answer to anyone who asks, Why, have you, why do you have this hope? Why do you have this hope? Man, our, our election process is in the mess. Man, the, 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 you just turn on the news. The Democrats and Republicans are hating each other and, and they're bringing division into our world. And then if you watch all this other stuff, they talk about all this nasty you know, killings and everything else. But yet you remain hopeful. Why? 
Because my king does not sit in the White House. My king does not sit in Congress. My king sits on the throne in heaven, and his name is Jesus. That's why I have hope. No matter what goes on in this world, I have hope. And, uh, uh, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul tells young Timothy to preach the word in and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Don't use the Bible as a tool to bring division. Use the Bible as a tool to bring people together and to bring love. Uh, it's okay to say, hey, you know, this is what the Word of God says. We can talk about that later. We are to live with this attitude of hope. We are to have this attitude of hope about us. We know how the story ends. We know how the story ends in case we forgot. Anybody ever read the book of Revelation? I love the book of Revelation. I used to teach it all the time. We read the book of Revelation. We'll start with chapter 21. I'm just going to hit the highlights that I have highlighted in my Bible. Now I saw, Revelation chapter 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Number one, let's get something clear here. God is not in the recycling business. He does not make old take old to make something newer out of it. He doesn't do and approve. No. God creates new. God is in the making new business. You might be in sin and you realize you're in sin and you realize this whole life needs to go and when you confess God and you get ask God for the power of the Holy Spirit to help you, he takes the old life and throws it away and gives you a new creation on the inside. New creation on the inside. God's not in the recycling business. He's in the making new business. Verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. Let's jump over to verse 22. Chapter 22. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in, the, in it. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. His name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no more night. The day is coming. I can hear God's music speaking. So the day is coming. The serpent is over. <laughs> Let me ask you this question in this day. What hope do you have? Do you show what hope is to the world? Or are you a nervous Nelly and you just worry about all these things that are going on? Be wise to what's going on. Be, be, you know, be gentle as a dove and wise as a serpent. Be ready for the day of the Lord and give hope to all that you see. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Amen. Let us stand and praise the Lord.
be at the back and the front there. And we don't forget the drop-in breakfast tomorrow after the service. Uh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we have so much to be thankful for. We are blessed beyond belief, even in the midst of hard times and troubles. Lord, we're blessed because we have you as our Savior. Let us give that hope this week, Lord, to all those that are worried, Lord, and that where darkness is, let us be the light that, that pushes darkness away. Lord, seal us with the Holy Spirit. Walk before us, walk behind us, walk beside us. Lord, let us come back in a week and, and give a testimony about your love to us and to others. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. With great excitement, everyone said, Amen. Amen.